I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly, welcoming you back to the show this week. And guess what, guys? Tonight is episode 150. Yes, 150 episodes since we started this podcast way back at the beginning of the 2016 Formula One season. And it's really uh, flown by, hasn't it? Uh, I know that uh, I still enjoy it each and every week. It's still a lot of fun and uh, no plans on stopping uh, anytime soon. Hey, now uh, less than a week to go before Christmas. Can't wait. Just a a couple more days here at work and then get to shut it down for two weeks. Really looking forward to to the time off. Uh, Weather really isn't uh, all that Christmassy here in Vancouver, Canada. Canada, although it usually never really is. I mean, it's uh, it's Vancouver weather. Let's just put it that way. It's cold, it's rainy, it's wet, and I think it's unlikely we're going to get a white Christmas here, although we have had some snow here, especially where I live uh, up uh, in the mountains a little bit. Uh, we, we get that from, uh, from time to time, but it's looking at like it might be a little bit uh, too mild this year, but who knows? Fingers crossed, kids would enjoy it anyways, and as long as I don't have to go out there and fight the traffic, going to and from work and school and picking everyone up or going and running around doing everything I need to do at the 9 to 5, then I don't really mind when it's on my own time and it's uh, it's vacation because I really don't have any plans to go anywhere. So like I say, I'm really looking forward to the next uh, couple of weeks. Hey, there's a lot of news uh, out in Formula 1 this week, or at least uh, enough to, uh, to keep us going to just uh, maybe satisfy that uh, that big gaping hole we have in uh, in our hearts at the moment our formula 1 portion of our hearts at anyways and it's uh yeah there, there's quite a few things uh, going on and uh, well I'm going to talk uh, quite a bit about uh, Mercedes going to talk about Ferrari and uh, and Red Bull there looks like uh, they're really getting ready to throw down a challenge to uh, Mercedes this year both uh, Ferrari and uh, Red Bull are ahead in their development uh, programs. Ferrari's planning on taking two cars to winter testing in uh, in February, and Red Bull has said that uh, their car is two weeks ahead of schedule. So we've been saying it for years and years and years that somebody's got to take the, the the fight to Mercedes. And that's not to say that neither of these teams or any of the teams haven't uh, gone out and given it. They're all given a hundred percent, both on and off the track. Not suggesting that at all, but it really looks like uh, Ferrari and Red Bull are upping the ante, and uh, they're. Well, well, I'm not going to give it away now. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself here. But uh, there, there's some uh, really interesting things uh, to do with that. Anyways, just talking about uh, title contenders, starting off here with uh, Valtteri Bottas, who said that uh, his drive at last year's Australian Grand Prix felt like it was, quote, someone else. And this was an interview that uh, he gave uh, to, to Motorsport.com. And he said, quote, the race I had, it was weird. When I think about it, it feels like it was someone else. It was uh, surreal. It felt too easy. It's a funny feeling. So it definitely was my best race ever and best Sunday ever and I wasn't on pole so I had a good start from second place and I got the lead there 
So, yeah, well, that's interesting, isn't it? It really seemed like he came out swinging to start uh, the season last year. And 2018 was not a good year for, for Bottas. It was it was disappointing, obviously, for him. I mean, he's been there now for three full seasons. And, well, 2017, I think he did uh, pretty good. And he was able to get, uh, I mean, he is the ideal teammate. I mean, he racks up a lot of points. He gets the occasional victory. And uh, he's not likely to butt uh, heads with, uh, with uh, Lewis Hamilton or rock the boat at Mercedes uh, in any shape, uh, way, or form. But 2018 was uh, was a bit of a frustrating uh, season for him. I think it was really encapsulated by the disappointing uh, outing he had at the uh, the Azerbaijan, uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix at the, the Baku City Circuit when uh, he was leading and had uh, issues late in the race that cost him uh, that one and didn't go on to win a race at all that year. I mean, uh, of course, Mercedes uh, came in, uh, well, they won both championships. Uh, Lewis won his fifth. Uh, the, the team won the Constructors again in 2018. I mean, well, it's been that every every year since 2014, uh, except for 2016 when uh, Nico Rosberg won the, uh, the, the the drivers' championship. But that, it, it was a difficult year for Bottas in, in the fact that uh, you know that if you're driving a Mercedes, that uh, even if you're not Lewis Hamilton, you know that you're going to have a good shot to win a race all year, and it just didn't happen for him. And he went away, and I, I was reading him. Uh, I, th- I believe the the interview he gave was to uh, F1 uh, Racing Magazine, if I remember cor- correctly. I have to go back and check uh, my iPad. Anyways, he uh, w- was really, I, th- I thought, quite frank and forthcoming about the disappointments that uh, and frustrations that he was feeling about uh, this time 12 months ago and how he really wanted just to, to get away and just uh, really refocus and uh, repurpose himself in, uh, in preparation for the for the 2019 season. And he really did come out uh, flying at that uh, Australian Grand Prix. I mean, not only did he uh, not qualify in pole, like he said, I mean, he uh, beat Lewis uh, Hamilton fair and square on the track. I mean, he was miles ahead. I mean, I really felt like that was a statement uh, that that Bottas was going to come out and fight for the world championship. But it it was a bit of a flash in the pan. I know he got several race wins over the course of uh, of 2019. But I think uh, compared to um, the relationship or where it was with uh, Nico Rosberg before, I think that Rosberg was just, I don't want to say better, but I think he was just uh, capable of winning a couple more races uh, or, or maybe several more races than uh, that, that Valtteri Bottas was uh, over the course of an entire year. I mean, 2016 was something else uh, for, for Nico because he got off to a, a flying start, whereas Lewis uh, struggled a little bit over the course of the first uh, several Grand Prix. And I think it was by the time that they got to, to China or maybe beyond China, maybe it was uh, after about the first four or five races, didn't he have something like a 43 point lead in the championship? And that's, really a buffer that I think that really helped him over the course of the entire year and uh, when it came down to the last several races um, uh, you could really tell that uh, well I mean Hamilton never gives up I mean he goes out there and he fights hard each and every uh, weekend and uh, you could just tell that uh, he really had the bit between his teeth and he was going to do everything to try and catch Nico Rosberg and I don't want to say that uh, that that Hamilton's uh, championship uh, challenge that year faded in Malaysia but it, it certainly was dealt a blow because at that point Rosberg was just uh, he was kind of cruising along wasn't he he was just kind of managing it and just uh, not really taking too many risks and uh, just getting the points uh, that, that that he needed and so I mean you could just tell just uh, by the fact that he could was able to win more races over the course of his uh, complete season compared to, to Bottas that he did have uh, an opportunity he was in the in the conversation and definitely uh, quite a few times for the world championship but I mean he was only able to put it off or pull it off the one time but Bottas I think he's just um, he's just a little bit slower. Uh, 
I guess that's maybe the easiest, a simplified explanation. Maybe it wasn't just quite as quick as a Nico Rosberg, but uh, that that does translate to the uh, the, the wins, uh, overall wins that I think uh, we've seen. Just I think he's got seven now in his uh, in his career, meaning that he got several more this year, which was good for him. But he's saying that uh, that he has to go out there, and uh, we need to see version uh, two point seven seven, obviously referring to uh, his his number uh, to to go out there and win the uh, the, the the championship, but. It'll be really interesting to see how he comes out when we get to back to racing in March. And uh, really, if he can if he can dig deep and find something, find that extra speed, find that extra special something, whatever it might be that can deliver those uh, more race wins. I mean, it, it seemed like there was a, like a, a bit of a, an edgier side to, uh, to, to Bottas because after the um, Azerbaijan Grand Prix this year, which is one of these tracks where he traditionally goes uh, pretty well, rushes another one. You know, it's just like uh, anything else. Some tracks just uh, are, are better for certain drivers. They're just, uh, suited to, to different tracks that just uh, seem to, they just seem to jive better with them. Anyways, um, again, Lewis Hamilton uh, was saying that, I wouldn't say, it, well, it obviously didn't get as uh, close to any of the uh, the nastiness that went on between Rosberg and Hamilton, but uh, he did make some comments after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix this year that uh, perhaps that uh, he's been a little bit uh, too nice to uh, to Bottas and maybe shouldn't uh, give him as much room in, in, in the future because it doesn't really matter if it's the first or last race in the season or if it's the first or the last lap in the race. Uh, Lewis just doesn't give any quarter and uh, he doesn't like to lose. I mean, he's also the, uh, I think, the... the, the I'd say the the consummate teammate. I mean, he always says the right things about the team and uh, about his teammates and uh, and everybody uh, inside of the organization. I mean, he's very good that way. But you you can just tell that sometimes. I mean, every once in a while, it does uh, slip out in some of the post race interviews where, you know, you could tell he's uh, he's a little bit hot underneath the collar, but uh, he, he's uh, just restraining himself a, a little bit. But uh, yeah, if uh, Bottas is going to uh, to challenge Lewis Hamilton for uh, for the championship this year or any year, I think it's going to take uh, not only uh, version two point seven seven, but it's going to take a lot more to do that. But it is uh, certainly very interesting that uh, that Bottas uh, did say that uh, that uh, that one race at the Australian Grand Prix was his best uh, weekend ever. Because I mean, it really did seem like he was. Um, much more improved. Uh, I mean, it was it was a Bottas that we hadn't seen before, and uh, unfortunately, whatever he did to get into the zone that uh, that that weekend just wasn't transferable to uh, to any races after that. I mean, he did uh, you know, like I said uh, just now, he did uh, win several more races uh, throughout the year, but Melbourne was something different. It was more of a statement and it was something uh, completely different. Anyways, I did find my notes here, uh, just uh, talking about that, uh, and uh, Bottas uh, says he needs to be. Very version 2.77 of himself to win uh, the Formula One title in uh, in 2020. So obviously he has been the number two guy in the shadow of uh, Lewis, Hen- uh, Lewis Hamilton over the first couple of years at uh, Mercedes. Uh, but he, um, I mean, we think we kind of know that he's a good driver, whether or not he can summon that uh, uh, to, to really challenge uh, Lewis Hamilton or anybody else, because uh, uh, it really seems like Ferrari and, uh, and Red Bull are going to uh, really do everything that they can catch uh, Mercedes this year. So whoever it is, whoever it is, he had to say, uh, quote, but I know that I have the speed in me and the ability, so I don't think I need to make any miracles. I need to fine tune everything. So let's say Bottas 2.77, because 
that was just in reference to uh, Bottas 2.0 that started the 2019 season. Anyways, want to move along here before we come up on the uh, on the first break. And um, Chase Carey, the CEO at Formula One, has uh, showing uh, Lewis Hamilton a little bit of love this week, saying that uh, he is quote a hero second to none. And uh, he's a guy that Formula One must uh, replace uh, with a Lewis of the new generation. So <laughs> I don't know. Is that really possible? I mean, uh, he is obviously the best driver of his generation and uh, possibly one of the best uh, drivers of all time. Well, that's uh, I've been uh, you know, understating that uh, quite a bit. He is one of the best uh, drivers of all time. And uh, he's got to be at the top of that list and the, the, the top two, three guys for the best uh, Formula One driver ever. I mean, that is, uh, I mean, we can debate who the best uh, driver of all time is. And uh, there, there's uh, quite a lot of, uh, you know, really big names that'll go out there. Hamilton's going to be one. Schumacher's going to be other. I mean, who else do you want to throw in there? Senna? Well, Senna's going to be one of them. So we've got three names uh, easy right there. But what about uh, Prost? Maybe not quite so much. Fangio? I mean, but that's not the point right now. Anyways, uh, Chase uh, Carey did uh, say that uh, he, he said uh, that he hopes that Lewis is going to race uh, forever because he's what he calls an incredible champion. And uh, he says that uh, Lewis's success speaks for itself. And uh, and then, and uh, Formula One is a sport that's uh, built on its uh, hero. Uh, he says that uh, he's a hero that's second to none in our sport. And uh, again, he went on to reiterate uh, that uh, he hopes uh, that Lewis will uh, race forever. But that will be uh, really interesting. Who will? I mean, obviously, Lewis is going to have to retire at some point uh, and we all hope uh, that uh, that he's got uh, at least one perhaps two more contracts in him and I mean, he's even said himself, even just as uh, recently as a, a couple of months ago, that uh, the story or the song, or I can't remember the exact uh, words that he was using, hasn't been uh, completely written yet. And uh, there's still a lot more that he wants to accomplish. Of course, uh, all the, the, the records uh, and titles that uh, Schumacher still holds, uh, that uh, that uh, Lewis wants to catch uh, and beat, those have to be the, the, the first ones. And it'll be interesting to see this year whether or not he can get that uh, seventh uh, world championship uh, that'll tie him with, uh, with Schumi. But it's... It, uh, you know, who do you look towards in uh, in, in the next generation? I mean, uh, Lewis is he's, he's pretty charismatic. I mean, there's there's no real drama with him uh, off of the track, at least as uh, far as I'm uh, aware of. And uh, I mean, his record on the track is uh, is second for uh, second to none. And I don't know uh, what it is, but uh, I. I think he's a little bit more charismatic. Maybe just, uh, I, I think his personality is a, a little bit different. I mean, I've dealt with a fair amount of professional athletes uh, over the years. And uh, when it comes to dealing with the, with, the, with the media, some of them, it's just part of their job. They just do it. And um, some of them do it with a you know a bit begrudgingly. They're not really forthcoming. It's a, a little bit uh, like uh, pulling teeth. Other than uh, accept it and do it, but they're just not really the the best in front of the microphone or the camera, whatever it might be. And uh, you know they 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 do their best, and this is uh, doesn't really have anything to do with any one particular uh, gender or sport or age or anything like that. It's it's like any other uh, any other person in any other situation, any other walk of life. So, uh, some people are suited to certain things better than that than others. But uh, when it comes to the media thing and the and the, and the public side of it, there are just uh, some people that are uh, better suited to it. And uh, I think that people can uh, identify with uh, them more. They're just more, I don't know, relaxed, more natural, more, I don't know, whatever you want to call more normal, I guess, relatable is it. And and I always find that with, uh, with, uh, with Lewis Hamilton, Uh, he's just uh, got a bit of a, a different, more, 
you know, more of a, a guy almost that, uh, that, you know, or he seems uh, more familiar and, uh, and, uh, and, and somebody that you can kind of connect with when you hear him and, uh, you know, when you see him on TV, whatever it might be compared to, to some of the, uh, the, the other drivers in, in, in Formula One. So who in the current, um, driver, like, I guess, uh, bunch of uh, the younger drivers that could be a, a potential world champ or a potential Lewis Hamilton. Well, one, they're going to have to win a hell of a lot of world titles to, to catch up with them and, and, and break all these records. That's one thing, but also it's, uh, the, the, uh, the, I think the character side of it, uh, too. I mean, uh, no doubt. I think, uh, that, uh, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc are two guys that, uh, that immediately spring to mind. I think they're going to be the big rivals in formula one, uh, as, uh, this decade goes on and as they, they get older, cause I mean, they're both young guys still. We have to uh, remember that. And, um, well, I mean, th- this is uh, much like uh, Lewis said about his own story, uh, that, that it hasn't finished, uh, writing itself, that, uh, a, a replacement for Lewis can only happen after he leaves. And it'll just, uh, again, you'll be, uh, comparing drivers across eras, really. I mean, uh, there'll be, um, you know. I guess some comparisons said to me uh, be made if the next guy is either uh, Verstappen or Leclerc, but uh, still, it's a long way coming. And you know, uh, I, I certainly hope that uh, that Lewis stays around uh, in in Formula One for a while yet, because as much as I get tired of him winning all the time, and I say that with a little bit uh, tongue firmly planted in cheek, but it, it would be uh, it would be cool to see if uh, Ferrari and Red Bull can get uh, their their act together and uh, challenge uh, Mercedes, because I think it would be pretty cool uh, to see uh, Lewis Hamilton having to, to scrap it out uh, with some of these uh, young guys like uh, Max and and Charles, and and we even saw him, uh, how it went down with. Uh, between him and Alex Albon at uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix, and uh, poor old Lewis ended up having to take the uh, the, the penalty uh, for for that one uh, for that accident. Anyways, I just want to take a quick break here to talk about our good friends at uh, Vivid Seats because, like I said off the top of the show, it's only a week until Christmas now, and uh, if you're a little bit uh, behind in your shopping, and I'm going to pat myself on the back here because uh, I'm completely finished here. Anyways, if you're still looking for last minute gifts for the sports fan in your life, look no further than Vivid Seats because they are the top source for tickets uh, for the events that you want to go to because you can sort by price or look for for seats in the section of row of your choice and you can do all of that in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back and that's uh, Vivid Seats Rewards. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app and when you sign up, you're automatically uh, enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. And every purchase is backed 100%. And uh, if you're looking for tickets for the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, they've got Formula One tickets in there. I've checked it out. It's there. It's legit. Vivid Seats has it all. So download the app. Join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today and get in on uh, the action. So just remember, when it is time to buy, new users can enter the, my promo code OVERTIME at checkout and receive a discount discount of up to $100. So remember, new users enter my promo code overtime at checkout and you can receive a discount of up to $100. Okay, well let's uh, move along from uh, Lewis Hamilton being a uh, a uh, 
second to none hero. Oh, sorry, hero of second to none. I started tripping over myself here as I switch uh, pages in my note. Anyways, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about a team that uh, isn't quite as successful as uh, Mercedes, or at least uh, not yet, and that's uh, Renault. And their ex-tech uh, chief, uh, Chester, has been uh, uh, tipped off to maybe move over, well, <laughs> maybe not over, but down the grid and uh, join uh, Williams uh, in a senior role with the team uh, next year. And uh, I'm referring, of course, to uh, Nick Chester, who just uh, recently recently uh, left Renault and uh, well I mean we've uh, talked about uh, Renault uh, over the course of uh, the season but he had uh, uh, there had been an announcement from Renault uh, earlier this year that uh, Chester had uh, started a, a period of what they call gardening leave as uh, the team was uh, going uh, through a, a restructuring at uh, you know, well they, they had to do something after what was uh, frankly a very anticlimactic and, uh, and disappointing season I mean we've we've seen them improve over the past couple of years uh, since they, uh, they they bought out Lotus and uh, reestablished uh, themselves as, um, as as their own works team, but the progress has uh, been slowly tailing off. I mean, we we, we did see that uh, improvement when they they took over Lotus and, uh, and and started getting things done. I mean, the first year when they were in was uh, of course basically a Lotus racing uh, with a with a Renault badge on the front, but they did improve from there. But I would say since uh, 2018 and going into 2019, that uh, that that uh, improvement is leveled off. And uh, I I don't think it is unfair or unkind to say that they were a disappointment this year uh, at all. I mean, they were uh, outclassed by uh, McLaren, who's a a customer team, and uh, they went from uh, fourth in the world championship uh, last year, and uh, they they weren't even able to to, to keep up uh, with McLaren, who had a, a very, very solid year. They they slip like, like I say. I mean, they went from fourth to fifth this year, and uh, well, one of one of the big problems, very much like Ferrari, which is uh, interesting. One of the the, the big problems that's uh, been uh, uh, sort of uh, pinpointed is the uh, problems that they had with the uh, aerodynamics on the RS nineteen. But the restructuring just seems almost a, a very logical thing that needs to be done there. Because, I mean, uh, they, they did have a, a couple of uh, pretty good drivers there this year with uh, Danny Ricardo. I, I mean, it was a big uh, step back. I mean, it was always going to be a risk uh, for Ricardo going from uh, one of the big teams in Red Bull where he was, uh, you know, almost, I wouldn't say guaranteed, but it was, uh, it was a sure bet that uh, at some point in the season, Danny Ricardo was going to get on a podium. We're going to see him celebrating, doing a trademark shoey and all that sort of stuff uh, and i mean it was good for a couple of wins here and there i mean the the, the big one that everybody will remember was his uh, victory at monaco in uh, in 2018 when he managed to hang on for almost the entire race after uh, suffering uh, problems well, i think it was with his mguk uh, during the race there but again uh, being in uh, in monaco and uh, just being at the tight narrow twisty circuit that it is all he had to do was just uh, stay in front of everyone else and make sure he kept it on the track and uh, not have a, <laughs> an embarrassing moment in the pits like it, he did the year earlier when he went in for uh, tires and there were no tires waiting for him in his pit box but uh, that's a, a completely different story but uh, they had a good driver in him a decent driver nico hulkenberg and we're going to talk about him in a moment but the performance in, in the car wasn't there so obviously they got to do something uh, not only uh, well i mean for many fronts right i mean they, they paid a lot of money uh, to lure danny ricardo over from red bull so there's that uh, i mean he could go anywhere else uh, i'm sure on uh, on the grid in formula one should uh, there or should there be an opening for him uh, whether or not he could go back to to red bull or to one of the big teams yeah that's that's an issue that uh, that's a uh, debate 
debatable. Uh, I mean, he certainly take uh, took a very big risk uh, doing what he did to to go to uh, to Renault, and certainly at this point he hasn't worked out. But also, uh, they need a better season in twenty twenty, just from their their own corporate point of view. Because I mean, they're they're some are putting in a lot of money into this uh, program to want to run a Formula One teams, and uh, there has been a little bit of uh, rumblings here and there just about uh, their commitment to, to Formula One in the long term. And obviously, if they're not getting the return on investment, then what is the point in the in the long run? The thing is, I mean, the the engine, the power unit that they have, I mean, it seems pretty good. I mean, uh, McLaren finally seems to be getting um, uh, better results uh, with the engine, uh, with the Renault engine than the, they were with the, the Honda a couple of years ago. But Honda's got a, a couple more years of development uh, with it. But I mean, the thing is, I think that uh, McLaren demonstrated this year that the combination of uh, a good car with a good chassis, good aerodynamics, all of that uh, stuff c- coupled with the, uh, the the Renault power unit should be a pretty decent package. So for them to let themselves down like that is uh, is very disappointing. So we're going to be watching them, obviously, for, for 2020 and see how that's uh, going to uh, improve or not uh, for Renault. Anyways, uh, talking about Danny Ricardo, he, uh, he revealed uh, what his unexpected highlight was from the, the 2019 uh, Formula One season was, and that was a, a, what he called a scary run to 14th at the the Belgian Grand Prix. He had uh, this to say, well, first of all, about uh, his worst results of uh, the season. Uh, Monza in Canada were, were two. And then, uh, but he went on to say, and this is classic uh, Danny Ricardo. I talk about guys that uh, are comfortable in in front of the media and uh, are really candid and open. Danny Ricardo is uh, one of them. And he had to say about a uh, result at Spa, quote, everyone will look at me like, Spa, what happened? You were nowhere. But it was a race where probably the circumstances of that day as well, and he's referring to Antoine Hubert's uh, uh, fatal Formula 2 crash the previous day. Uh, so he, he went on to say, um, uh, the circumstance of that day as well, and I got hit in turn one, and we had a lot of floor damage. To be honest, the car was quite scary to drive. After that, we had a lot less downforce. I was probably flat through a rouge in less than a half dozen times uh, the whole race. So that gives you probably an idea of how scary it was uh, through there. So that that is interesting uh, to, to hear him uh, get, <laughs> relate what uh, his um, his unexpected highlight of the year was. I mean, it really takes a lot of courage for these uh, people to go out and race in motorsports uh, like they do. And, uh, and, and Formula One is, uh, is something different. I mean, they really are from, like fighter jets uh, on four wheels. And uh, when you watch these guys, uh, you know, especially going through La Source and the run up to, to Eau Rouge there, and just the way that the cars go through those corners and just the speeds that they're at, it is just, it is absolutely amazing. And uh, to, to think that these guys are doing it flat out and then uh, to hear that uh you know Danny Ricardo was doing that uh you know quite a few times uh, through the race uh, with a damaged floor which obviously uh, affects the, uh, the the performance of the car uh yeah i mean you have to have uh <laughs> you got to have some guts uh, to do that so you know i, I really hope uh, just on a little bit of a tangent here that uh, Ricardo does have a, a better season next year that uh, Renault are able to give him a, a better car because uh he was a little bit lost out of the spotlight this year that that was one of the nice things uh, that I enjoyed about Danny Ricardo when he was at uh, at Red Bull at any rate was uh, the the fact that you just knew that he was gonna, probably going to get on the podium uh, a couple or several times uh, throughout the year and uh, he is a candid and uh, laid back easygoing guy he's got a sense of humor he's got a good personality and uh, we just ha- haven't seen a lot of that uh, over the past year so let's uh, let's hope uh, that uh, we see more Danny Rick in positive circumstances in uh, in 2020 so. 
just talking about his teammate now, uh, Nico Hulkenberg, is kind of interesting. There's uh, been a couple of things that have sort of come out uh, since uh, the end of the season where uh, just his, uh, I don't want to say it's a sort of a fall in grace, but uh, certainly a bit uh, of a fall in stature, if you want to call it that, because he was a guy that uh, you'd think, I mean, being the, the veteran driver that he is, I mean, he won Le Mans a couple of years ago, and now all of a sudden he's probably raced his last weight race in Formula One. I mean, he said all the right things that, you know, there's still possibilities and who knows what will happen after next year. And I mean, of course, that that is a possibility, but he is the guy that has uh, the, the record of number of Grand Prix starts uh, without a podium fit, finish. And uh, well, he's out at Renault next year and uh, Esteban Ocon, the, uh, the the young Frenchman who was um, at, uh, at Force India or Racing Point over the past uh, couple of years and then reserve driver for uh, uh, Mercedes this year is uh, taking that seat. So that, that's going to be an interesting pairing next year of uh, Ocon and uh, Danny Ricardo. But it's just kind of funny after uh, how it all worked out in the musical chairs of uh, the, the Formula One driver's uh, silly season in the driver's market. Although it wasn't quite as um, big as it was uh, last year. I mean, it was, uh, it was none of the guys in the, in the big teams uh, changing, except for Gasly and, uh, and Albon at, uh, at Red Bull. But that was a mid-season switch, a performance thing rather than drivers uh, being out of contract. I mean, the big, big year is going to be uh, next year. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes. But, uh, you know, el- elsewhere, further down the grid, I mean, there's always going to be, there's usually changes there. But I have to admit that uh, I-, I was surprised that nobody picked up uh, Nico Hulkenberg. And, uh, I mean, he really did, I think, uh, do a good job uh, for Renault over the past uh, couple of years. But uh, I-, I think the, the um, he just almost became a little bit uh, irrelevant. I mean, he just wasn't uh, able to, to match up uh, with, uh, with uh, Ricardo this year. And uh, I-, I think uh, that's got to, to do with, uh, I mean, they were close in, in qualifying, but when it came to uh, to race day on Sundays at the Grand Prix, it was a uh, it was uh, a, a different story, and it was uh, always Ricardo more often than not that was uh, getting the results uh, ahead of uh, Nico uh, Hulkenberg. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, like I say, a, a disappointing season uh, for him, and uh, just uh, the the arrival of a, a big name guy like Danny Ricardo, and uh, a combination uh, or combine that with uh, some poor performances has uh, kind of put him uh, on the out there. So we'll have to wait and see whether or not he gets his uh, foot back in the door, and we'll see him back in Formula one after 2020 and uh, back in uh, for for 2021 anyways uh, just talking about uh, the the silly season and and big name drivers out there and this shouldn't really come as a uh, too big of a surprise to anyone uh, but uh, Max Verstappen has uh, ruled himself uh, from partnering Charles Leclerc at uh, Ferrari in 2021 so perhaps uh, Christian Horner's uh, prediction which we talked about uh, last year that uh, none of the big uh, drivers and the big teams <clears throat> excuse me are actually going to end up switching for 2021 and uh, you have to wonder how much uh, there there is in this or if uh, Max is uh, just saying this as uh, maybe some sort of ploy or bargaining tactic uh, in his own uh, contract situation because he's out of contract at uh, Red Bull at the uh, the end of 2020 so there could be uh, multiple levels of things uh uh, going on here, but uh, he told uh, Dutch uh, channel Ziggo Sports that uh, he he thinks uh, that um, Ferrari was uh, off the table of, uh, for him because he uh, didn't really see much point of um, you know, driving beside uh, Charles uh, Leclerc. He had to say, uh, quote, I think that won't happen anyways. I think you shouldn't have two potential number ones dr- 
driving next to each other. So that's that's true because uh, I mean we've seen over the years how that uh, that hasn't really worked. I mean Rosberg and and Hamilton uh, is uh, is a prime example. I mean I don't know if that's uh, two legit number ones. I mean uh, Hamilton would be the number one in that uh, situation, and Nico Rosberg was probably more like a one A. I mean close but not quite the the, the same level as uh, as Lewis Hamilton, and that didn't work out. I mean the one that everybody will go back and think about and is uh, probably the textbook uh, example of uh, what you don't want to hap- uh, have happen uh, between teammates and sure Sebastian Vettel and uh, and Charles Leclerc at uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix is the example but uh, the 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 one um, relationship that uh, was was bad and uh, we all know how bad uh, Rosberg and Hamilton was but the one that's uh, the the gold standard or the one that uh, takes a spot on the wall of shame is uh, Senna and Prost and uh, we'll all remember or those of us that go back as far as I do and I hate uh, dating myself here but uh, I still remember as a, as a kid growing up when they they crashed together at uh, at Suzuka at the Japanese Grand Prix and what was that 1989 1988 something like that was a long time ago let's uh, just uh, put it that way but uh, <clears throat> there was no lo- love lost uh, between those two and uh, there really was uh, or th- that relationship uh, really was uh, the the next level and it's ob- uh, obsessiveness in the uh, and uh, just the toxicity in in that one but i mean max does make a good point it uh, it really is a uh, difficult i think uh, you know to to really uh, put two guys that are really you know, really capable like that. I mean, you really do need a bit of a hierarchy in a team because if you have, uh, you know, Ferrari, for example, and we've seen team orders uh, issued there quite a few times over the year. And I mean, uh, this year was uh, no difference. And uh, would you really expect uh, like Max Verstappen to sit behind Charles uh, Leclerc or vice versa when told by the team? It wouldn't make uh, any sense. And I don't know if it, I don't even know if it'd be good for the the sport either. I mean, uh, you want to see these guys out there fighting uh, you know, for, for race wins and for position, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, that just the, even the thought of uh, limiting a, a battle between two awesome young drivers like Charles Leclerc and uh, Max Verstappen uh, to, to team orders seems like a, a real shame to me. So let's hope uh, that it uh, doesn't happen. Anyways, time for another quick break, and I just want to let you know that today's episode of Scuderia F1, the 150th anniversary of the show, is being brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network. It's a live 24-7, and it costs you absolutely nothing. So that's right, guys. It's sports coverage that's always on, and it's always free. And it's awesome. You go check it out. Just download the CBS Sports app, and it's right in there. I mean, there's uh, tons of awesome videos in there on fantasy sports, the latest news, highlights. I mean, uh, one of the the uh, the big things going on uh, today. Well, I mean, it's the impeachment, obviously, with Donald Trump, but uh, that's something completely different and well beyond the scope of this show. But <laughs> in the NFL, at any rate, was the firing of uh, Tom Coughlin. So there, there was plenty of news on that, NHL, N- NBA, you name it, it's all in there. It's totally awesome. Highly recommend it. And uh, CBS Sports HQ is a coverage that's always focused on the game. Tons of highlights, breaking news as it happens, fantasy advice, and something 
we care about uh, deeply here. That's gambling picks and analysis to get the extra edge. So I know when I turn on CBS Sports HQ, I'll see the tips and trends I need to win my bets. And don't forget, you can get all that uh, access to all the great coverage absolutely free. So I don't mean it's free for a week or a month or if you have some special cable package or some BS free trial or whatever. It's totally completely free for everyone. You don't even need a login. So just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, or any other connected device at any time to watch. CBS Sports HQ. So remember, no fake debates, just real sports for real sports fans at all the great price of completely free. It's going to cost you nothing. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. So download the CBS Sports app today and watch CBS Sports HQ right now. You can get going at any time. Okay, moving along to the very next item on our list, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Ferrari. And this whole engine saga is just uh, not going any uh, going away anytime soon. And uh, this is uh, been going on for several months now. And uh, I mean, well, Ferrari were labeled uh, cheaters outright uh, by uh, Max Verstappen, uh, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel. uh, (laughs) They fired back at him. But anyways, uh, team principal Mattia Bonato has uh, said that they've uh, proved that their Formula One engine this year was fully legal uh, throughout the 2019 season because any breach would have been discovered at the very, very first check. So there was that uh, debate uh, that uh, there were this uh, discussion that really kicked off after the summer break where Ferrari had struggled throughout the, the first half of the year. Well, I mean, it was more than the first half of the time we got to the, the summer break after the Hungarian Grand Prix. It's almost like almost, almost two thirds of the way through the season, if anything. <clears throat> Anyways, they came out at Spa, at uh, at Italy, and Singapore. They had uh, several really good races in, in a row, and uh, they never denied that they had a power advantage. And argued that uh, that their engine plus their lower drag aerodynamic concept was giving it uh, that top edge speed. And we saw that evidenced uh, several times uh, in 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 that uh, stretch of races, most notably at Spa and also at Monza. And uh, and that was really impressive, especially at Monza, because uh, Charles Leclerc, I mean, that's when he became a Tifosi rock star. Because, I mean, he held off the, the two Mercedes cars for so long during that race, and he didn't have the benefit of having his uh, teammate to, to you know get in there and mix it up as well with the two silver arrows, because as we all remember, uh, Sebastian Vettel had that off early in the race and then uh, ended up uh, right at the back and all the penalties and all that uh, embarrassing stuff. So that's what made it all the more impressive. But the thing was, you, you really saw that straight-line speed advantage that the Ferrari had. It was really plain to see, especially for from the in-car cameras. I mean, you get uh, Charles coming out of the Parabolica and then you'd have uh, either Bottas or Hamilton or whoever falling behind him. And as soon as he got on that that, that pit straight, he, regardless if uh, the car following him had DRS open or not, you could just see Charles just open up that uh, that that gap. And by the time they got to the chicane at uh, Redifilio, that uh, if you know the gap was just uh, too too late. Not even the likes of uh, famously late breaking Danny Ricardo could make uh, pull off some uh, move like that. And it really helped them. But uh, there was a lot of things that uh, that were going out or going around. A lot of speculation that uh, there was something going around uh, going on with with cheating, but. 
Mattia Bonato's uh, been adamant uh, that uh, that uh, that their engine was legal all year, and that uh, if there was any technical or uh, you know design uh, shortcuts or whatever you want to call it, uh, let, let's just call them cheats, that they, they would have been uh, they would have been discovered uh, all the time. He said, uh, and he said, "quote Being checked, uh, I think it's normal. It's somehow good because through the checks you are proving your legality. After the technical directives, the number of checks on our cars have multiplies. The reviews have shown to the FIA that the D details have been discussed. So whatever could have been done through collaboration with the FIA has been done. We have never changed our way of operating the engine for the last part of the season, showing that somehow our power unit was full has full legality. Otherwise, had that not been the case, if there would have been any non-legality, it would have come out at the very first check. And that, that is, I mean, he's consistent in what he's saying, because while all those, uh, you know, finger pointing was going on, you have Max uh, spouting off uh, saying that they're cheating. They said that uh, they, they, they've been adamant right from that, that point that all the changes that they made had to do with the uh, with the aerodynamics on the car, that they weren't changing anything to do with the the engine. And uh, there was nothing different in the way that uh, they they were operating and uh, and and when uh, Versta- or sorry uh, when Leclerc and uh, and Vettel sort of uh, replied or retorted to uh, Max's uh, claims or statements that uh, they basically said well he doesn't really know what we're doing anyways and you know we're not changing the way that we we're uh, <laughs> we've been operating our engine so interesting that uh, even though the season is done that uh, Bonato is still out there uh, saying uh, or, or banging that drum anyways so despite the fact that uh, their their engine uh, was uh, proved to have been legal, or he feels has been proved to have been have been legal, they, they are going to make what they call quote quite significant changes to their power unit, uh, and also they're going to add a lot more downforce to the car for 2020, and that's going to be the cornerstone of their challenge or the what they're going to do to their car for next year to uh uh really try and uh, and and beat Mercedes because i mean they came close 2017 sorry 2018 was one that uh a season that i think it's fair to say got away from uh Vettel and uh Ferrari Anyways, I mean, this year, just between the two of them, Vettel and uh, Leclerc only managed to win three races. Uh, I mean, you could add two more in there. Vettel should have won in Canada had he not uh, gotten that time penalty. Okay, we don't need to get back in that debate again. And then uh, Leclerc should have won in uh in uh in in Bahrain if he hadn't had that mechanical problem and had he not crashed in uh, qualifying in Azerbaijan there there could have been a possibility he uh, could have uh you would think that he would have had an opportunity to win that rate uh, or race as well. So anyways, uh, Matteo Bonato, he had uh, this to say, quote, we have changed by quite a lot of our power unit in terms of architecture, the cylinder. It's quite a big review just to show that here again, there's much that can be done. The change we are looking at for next year is quite significant on the engine itself. So, I mean, the one thing we have to remember is that uh, the aerodynamic and engine regs, uh, they're not changing at all for next year that there there's a lot that they can uh, that they can do to improve the car so next year Bonato said that they're aiming to add a lot more downforce uh, by having more downforce and uh, getting more drag which is uh, something that uh, that has been a, a problem for there and he had uh, this to say quote we are not expecting to be as far in the straight as we have been but you never know what the others are doing the things that we learned we recognize that we need to have the certainly more downforce as we saw at the end of the season still there's a gap to close so our car is aiming for more downforce 
workforce. And by consequence, we are certainly looking, working more on drag. So they really do have, uh, I, I guess it took a long time for them to, to really figure out the car, the SF90 last year and what, what they needed to do to get to, to really get that car to work. And it seems like they've learned their lessons. So now they have to apply those lessons and, uh, and, and do, you know, hopefully apply those lessons in a positive manner that uh, they can move past 2019 and go back to where they were in say 2018 that uh, was a lot closer in uh, that gap uh, between themselves and uh, and uh, Mercedes and uh, like I was saying off the top of the show that uh, they're they're taking this uh, really seriously not only are they going to redesign the engine the aerodynamics uh, for this year uh, but they're going to run uh, two fa- test cars in uh, in February so they're going to be a mule car with the 18 inch wheels uh, just before the, uh, the 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 preseason uh, begins but I guess there there will be a, a bit of added uh, bonus because uh, they will be able to I guess uh, see a little bit of uh, what's uh, going on so that'll be uh, kind of cool to, to see but anyways um <clears throat> just now moving on from uh from ferrari red bull says that uh their 2020 car is now uh two weeks ahead of schedule and uh, helmet marco uh the the big wig at red bull racing uh, says uh, that they have no excuses as they're getting to ready to challenge for the world championship uh, for for next year so just like uh, ferrari scored uh, three wins between vettel and uh, leclerc max verstappen got the three wins in, in 2019 after it was, a, it was a bit i wouldn't say a, a, a shaky start but uh certainly it took him a, a while it took them a, a little bit of time to uh, really settle in and by the time uh, he won that race at the uh, the Austrian Grand Prix at the, uh, the the beginning of the summer I mean that was impressive because that that combination of Max and the Red Bull and the Honda was just uh, so good that day and uh, we saw that in uh, in several more races uh, throughout the uh, the year so it uh, it's going to be a, I think it'd be a, a real interesting um, process to watch and see where this uh, combination of uh, Red Bull and Honda go in in year two because I think that uh, that even though they did have a bit of a slow start this year I, I still think that uh, they start I think it was a step uh, forward and I think they were better off uh, this year with Honda than Renault in, in 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 many ways even though it may not be uh, completely reflected in uh, say the amount of races won and 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 things like that uh, i mean a lot of it uh, especially in the constructor side of it has to to come down that uh, pierre gasly just wasn't able to to really find his feet and and really be um more consistent or, or reliable uh teammate to, to to max verstappen and bringing home as many points as say uh, alex albon did when uh, he got that uh you know the the, the drive after the summer break there and uh, and of course that's a <laughs> the reason why he's going to partner max uh, next year in 2020 so they they do i think think have the 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 basis of something very good there you just know that a design team that's led by a guy like adrian newey is uh it's going to be it's going to be a good uh it's going to be a good car let's just uh put it that way in the simplest possible terms and uh if uh, you know they're this you know this far ahead in the development right now that they're two weeks ahead of schedule that just gives them that much more time to get the car dialed in and i'm really looking forward to seeing how this is going to work because uh for our sorry uh red bull and uh and honda there seems to be more synergy uh, between the two i mean uh, when it was red bull and renault there was always sniping back and forth and it was uh <laughs> at least publicly uh did appear like the most uh the the, the healthiest uh, situation um, uh, between them but with uh, with honda and red bull i mean there seems to be more synergy between the two of them i mean the engine the power unit is uh, more integrated uh, into the, the the car i mean the it 
I mean, it's. I know it's not as uh, simple as I'm about to explain it, but it really did seem that the 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 the, the Renault was more of a, a power unit bolted on to the, uh, the the back of a Red Bull chassis, whereas the 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 Honda has been integrated as part of the Z design, and I think that was uh, you know one of the reasons that that uh, that they were so good last year. Also, I mean, Honda's find uh, found more power; it's more reliable. I mean, they've come a long way in the in in just a couple of years. Than they uh, they they were within the, in the couple of years when they were in the back of the uh, the, the the McLarens. I mean that is just a, a a sad and disappointing era for McLaren and also for Formula One because I mean way back when in the day when it was McLaren Honda in the 1980s and early 1990s. I mean that was an unbeatable package. I mean everybody. I mean, nowadays everybody wants uh, to drive a Mercedes because that's the car to have. I mean, back then uh, everybody wanted to drive a McLaren Honda. So it's uh, it's good to see that uh, that uh, that both of them, uh, both Honda and uh, Red Bull, are being aggressive uh, in their development uh, this year, and uh, we'll see how it works out. I mean, uh, winter testing is always, you know, it is what it is, and uh, we won't really know until uh, we get to, uh, to to racing in Melbourne in, in March. I mean, that's 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 obvious but it will be interesting to see how these cars um, you know perform once they get a chance to shake them down and get them dialed in and just see what uh, the, the the preliminary results are if you want to call it that when uh, when they get to, to winter testing in february passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, well, just uh, sticking with uh, Honda now, uh, they said that they actually wanted to start the 2019 season with uh, what uh, what eventually became the Spec 2 engine, which they introduced in the uh, at the Azerbaijan Grand, Grand Prix, uh, you know, several races uh, into the year. And uh, it, it, like I say, I think it's fascinating to see, and it, and it's good to see that uh, that the Honda finally seems to be getting, uh, you know, getting their act together and really have uh, seemed to be. Um, 
in much a stronger position now than they were uh, several years ago. And, uh, you know, they, they, of course, it's a little bit understated, but they say they are so happy with the progress uh, that they've made with the the actual schedule. I mean, it, it took a, a lot of time, I think, to really get it where it was, but it was good too. I mean, to have that one year where they were in the back of the uh, of the Toro Rosos in 2018, I mean, that was almost a, a free year of development for them in actual racing uh, situations. I mean, of course, the Toro Rosso boys were out there to race and try and get points and all that uh, good stuff. I mean, that, that that's just a given, but also uh, for Honda, I think it worked out after the uh, the disappointing uh, split that they had from uh, McLaren after the end of uh, you know 2017, I guess now, that, um, that, uh, that they really needed to make an impact and really needed to do something uh, special with Red Bull in their first year. And uh, they, I, I think certainly they did a very, very good job. And uh, I think having that, that one year in the back of the sister team was really mutually beneficial, both for Honda and both uh, for, for Red Bull, because Red Bull uh, last year having the, 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 the Renault engines in them, I think just having the opportunity of uh, looking at uh, of all the data and, and being able to work with Honda with them at, uh, at the sister team of uh, Toro Rosso really helped uh, make that uh, decision a lot easier. And then, of course, just being able to uh, basically try before hereby, I think I uh, really uh, made the decision uh, you know so much easier for them. So as, as it continues to evolve and as they continue to get better, that that is going to be an interesting uh, situation uh, to watch and see whether or not they can, uh, you know, how fast they can bring that uh, development uh, forward. But by the time they uh, they, they got uh, back to Formula One after the, uh, the 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 summer break, they actually introduced their uh, what they call the Spec Four, and that was the the, the biggest uh, step of all in terms of uh, development. And uh, they they really have uh, done uh, some interesting things there. So uh, you know, just uh, their their uh, managing director Masashi Yamamoto told Motorsport.com that uh, from Spec One to Spec Four, everything went as smoothly on schedule as planned. We can say that with Red Bull, a good team, and Max Verstappen, a very good driver who gives us very good feedback, they have powered our development and made it smoother to proceed. So there, there obviously is a good relationship uh, between the, uh, the, the the two of them. And uh, I'm looking forward to see what uh, they can do next year. I, th- I think that they're going to continue to close the gap between themselves and uh, and uh, and Mercedes. The, the, the big question, the, the bit of the wild card in this equation is uh, what's, uh, what's Ferrari going to do? Are they going to be able to... Uh, uh, to reestablish themselves after a bit of a, I wouldn't say a lost season, but uh, certainly they did lose their way last year. And uh, coming fourth and fifth in the world championship in uh, the driver's side has to be uh, disappointing for them, uh, obviously. And uh, they'll, they'll want to make uh, amends for that. Anyways, uh, just a, a little bit, a couple of uh, interesting items of uh, news before we start to, to close it down here. Uh, the first one that we have is uh, Mercedes actually teaming up with a Tour de France winning team, uh, Ineos. And they've been working with uh, what's uh, called the Mercedes-Benz Applied Science uh, Division uh, uh, since uh, August, apparently. And uh, so MBAS, uh, which was formed in March of this year, is, uh, well, they've got, uh, or they're tasked uh, to, quote, leverage the best of aerospace and motorsport technologies to deliver performance across the domains of land, sea, and air. So they have a a specially uh, dedicated uh, commercial wind tunnel facility at uh, Silverstone, and uh, they've worked uh, across uh, a number of different uh, motorsport uh, series uh, this year, including uh, MotoG. 
MotoGP, LMP, and Formula E. And uh, they've been working with Ineos, like I say, since uh, since August. And, uh, well, I mean, Ineos has a, a very impressive uh, resume. They've won seven of the eight last uh, Tour de France uh, events. Uh, and that goes back to when they were uh, in their, their team Sky version. Excuse me, if you want to call it that. So they're apparently working on uh, several uh, projects uh, together, including aerodynamic uh, air optimization work and uh, sensor studies on riders and equipment. So that's kind of a, a cool crossover between cycling and Formula One. Um, just a couple other things here. Um, Chase Carey, Formula One CEO, says that uh, new teams uh, should not be forced to enter Formula One as uh, second-class uh, citizens, and uh, he believes uh, that will be helped uh, by a certain you know financial restrictions, if you want to call it that, uh, that are going to be uh, removed from uh, 2021 and the whole budget cap and, and things like that. And I can't help but thinking, you know, I'm sure that uh, he doesn't want uh, new teams, uh, should there be new teams coming in. I mean, uh, I haven't heard anything. There, there hasn't been any anything rumbling about that I've been aware of that uh, we might uh, see any new entrance uh, to the grid uh, after uh, 2020. But uh, who knows? Maybe that, uh, that'll that change over the course of the year. But maybe he knows something. Uh, maybe he's not. Uh, may- maybe this is his way of subtly letting on. But anyways, uh, uh, he says that they shouldn't be forced to enter the the series as second-class citizens. But I can't help but wondering, well, what about some of the teams uh, already here? And I'm thinking specifically about some of the smaller squads out there, like uh, Williams, um, uh, maybe to an extent... Uh, that uh, Toroso, Alfa Romeo, uh, maybe. Well, at certainly Racing Point. I think the the, the two that uh, would uh, immediately uh, come to to mind would be Racing Point and uh, and Williams. I mean, they're 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 really down there. But anyways, I mean, it, it's it's a good. Um, I think it's a good mindset to, to have, but how that uh, gets implemented and uh, I guess policed in reality, I, I think that's a little bit uh, different. I mean, if you look at uh, at Haas that have been around since uh, 2016, um, I mean, they started, uh, I mean, <laughs> they, they're not winning races. I mean, this year was not a good year for them. I mean, they, they've been, like I say, they've been on the grid since 2016 and they, they've started scoring points, but, you know, there's always been a bit of shadow over a Haas, you know, being a, uh, you know, it, it's basically a rebranded uh, Ferrari. There's too many Ferrari parts in there and things like that. And it's almost like a, like a, like a, uh, you know, a sister team to it. Anyways, uh, Cherry had, uh, Carrie had to say this quote, if you come in, you should be part of the sport, not, and not as a second class citizen to come in as a second class citizen. I think that's a, just a deterrent. Once they commit to come in, it is to buy in as into a good business, not just a great sport. If I'm coming in, if I wasn't coming in as a first class citizen, as part of the club, that it's a deterrent. So that's fine. But, uh, again, like I say, I mean, it's one thing to say it and one thing, uh, to actually, um, put those mechanics and those, uh, structures in place to actually give uh, these, uh, like any potential new teams, the opportunity to come in and compete uh, on a fair and, uh, and level playing ground. So well, again, this will be after one. We'll have to sit back and wait and see. Anyways, finally, Robert Kubica says that uh, 2011 shows uh, that he can't rule out another return to Formula One. And uh, he says that he has no control over there that uh, another opportunity in Formula One will present itself. I mean, this year, his return with Williams was, yeah, it was disappointing, obviously. Obviously, but uh, the Williams has not been a good car for the past uh, couple of years now. So, uh, I mean, it might be a, been a bit of a different story had he been in a better car. But the thing was, despite scoring the only uh, point uh, for Williams uh, this year, 
he really did play second fiddle to his uh, teammate uh, George Russell, uh, the 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 rookie. I mean, he was shut out and qualifying by uh, by uh, Russell all year long, um, and next year he's going to be uh, replaced by a Canadian um, Nicholas Latifi, who's coming up uh, from Formula Two. But so apparently he has been sought out for a simulator role by teams like uh, Haas and Racing Point. Uh, there's a um, you know it, it sounds like uh, Racing Point might be the 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 destination, uh, the team that he might uh, end up. But he's also apparently eyeing uh, or looking towards the DTM and has uh, tested a BMW's Challenger uh, for DTM at uh, Jerez. So he says that uh, there's a realistically a big chance that uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix was his final uh, F1 race. But he went on to say, quote, you never know it in your life. Of course, in the future, I will not be in the paddock. There's a very slim chance of racing in F1 again. If I will be in the paddock, then everything might happen. I'm keeping my feet on the ground. And realistically, there's a much higher chance that this was the last race than that I will race again. This is a realistic uh, overview. I mean, what he did after that horrible rallying accident in uh, in 2011, in which uh, he almost lost his right arm i mean is uh i mean just incredible from that uh, point of view and uh, it really is a uh I think up for debate. It's, it's open. Where where did the problems lie? Was it with um, uh, Kubica himself and just uh, physically not being able to to meet the the demands of the sport over the course of uh, the the grueling length of a Grand Prix? Was it the car? A combination of both? Was it more one or the other? There there there's a lot of things uh, going on there. A bit disappointing because I mean he really I think uh, looked at one point in his career that uh, he was going to be a successful driver in Formula One. Looked like he was going to have a long and successful career in that. Uh, that rallying accident really did, uh, I think, take uh, take away from that. So we'll have to put uh, that. Uh, I think uh, Kubica had that been his last Formula One race in Abu Dhabi. I think uh, we might just have to put him into the uh, the column of we'll never really know how good he potentially could have been. So that in itself is a little bit sad. Anyways, uh, time to wrap up the show uh, this week. Thank you very much uh, for downloading and listening uh, to the show. If you want to do us a big favor and help support us, the best way and easiest way is just to hop on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and listen to podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review. It sounds kind of silly, but it actually does make a big, big difference. And uh, we're very grateful for all of you listeners and uh, all of our fellow Formula fans, uh, Formula One fans out there. And it uh, it really is, uh, we're, we're really grateful to support that uh, you give us. Anyways, if you want to get in touch with any feedback, any comments, any questions, you can do so on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod, or you can also email me at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. Anyways, that's a wrap. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers. listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1pod at gmail.com.